coming up next in The Ziggler Show. It hit me that he hit Chris Rock. What stared me in the face was that here's a guy who uh, committed a violent act and he blamed it on his feelings of how he felt in the moment. And, um, and that, that really encapsulates our society today uh, because everybody is obsessed with feelings, even if they are as misguided as Will Smith's were the other night. And, and even though we are obsessed with feelings, nobody really cares. They don't care how you feel. They only care how you act. And it's been that way since we were children. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This podcast has a simple premise. It's to take the wisdom of self-help and personal development and break it down as to how it relates to our world today. In a rare entry into current events, tabloid headlines, if you will, I asked Andy Andrews about a public statement he made regarding the culture as it relates to the recent Oscars and Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. And my point wasn't to weigh in on opinion, but as you heard in the intro to hear Andy's perspective on the symbolism that is relevant for all of us. Andy Andrews is a multiple New York Times bestseller with his traveler's gift book selling millions. He's a highly sought for and highly paid speaker. He's spoken by request for four different U.S. presidents. The New York Times cited Andy as someone who has quietly become one of the most influential people in America. And I know Andy as someone many big influencers turn to for wisdom themselves. He's a sage and a a Jedi, really, of life-changing lessons. He also recently launched a community called Wisdom Harbor. I was curious and I wanted to have a frank discussion on what he saw as the primary cultural needs and from a business interest, why he created this Wisdom Harbor community in response to it. So you'll hear much of his answer is around cultural literacy, which I didn't expect, but I'm taking you behind the scenes on why he crafted this community the way he has. And if it sounds like a a big plug for his community, that's fine. It, It can be, it is, it's great. That's not really the point. Most of you listening are in the business of influencing others. And what I'm giving you is insight into one of the most prolific influencers we've got and how he's pursuing his own business of influence. So you can glean from it. And he's also headlining for Ziggler. Uh, This May 19th through 20th, 2022, he's the keynote speaker for the Ziggler Coach Summit in Frisco, Texas, which you can check out at Ziggler.com slash coach summit. If you are, or want to be a coach, don't miss this again, Ziggler.com slash coach summit. And you can check out more of what Andy is doing, what we talk about today at wisdomharbor.com. If you're new to the Ziggler show, I encourage you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. We're about to start publishing even more for your listening enjoyment and life equipping. Now I bring you sage and storyteller, Andy Andrews. Andy, I I admittedly don't often hit on current events, but I'm going to with you just to make an (laughs) exception. (laughs) 
Okay. And I'm going to blame you for it because on, I believe it was Facebook as I was just trolling around, checking out some of the latest stuff from you. You did a post, I don't know, last couple of days, I guess. And it was on the Oscars. You recall yeah. that one? Yeah. 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 Uh, and it was the incident with Will Smith who, I, you know, people always say I'm a fan of somebody. I, I don't know. I don't, I've never met him personally. How can I be a fan? I do like his movies. I will, I will admit that. I listen, uh, legend of Bagger Vance oh. is one of my top three movies of all time. I own it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. That said, you made a commentary on his current, uh, you know, little debacle with Chris Rock and, and whatnot, but you made a statement that I'm pulling out and you, and you commented on our society circling the drain. There you go. There's our kickoff point. Yeah. I, I want you to yeah. explain that. Well, I, I just, uh, it, it hit me when I saw the replay of that because I wasn't watching it, but I saw the replay yeah. of it. It hit me that he hit Chris Rock. What stared me in the face was that here's a guy who uh, committed a violent act and he blamed it on his feelings of how he felt in the moment. And, um, and that, that really encapsulates our society today. Uh, because everybody is obsessed with feelings, even if they are as misguided as Will Smith's were the other night. And, and even though we are obsessed with feelings, nobody really cares. They don't care how you feel. They only care how you act. And it's been that way since we were children, Kevin. I mean, there's never been, you know, every girl who ever liked you, um, every teacher who ever gave you the benefit of the doubt, it was how you acted. It wasn't how you felt. You know, no teacher ever said, well, you deserve a C, but I'm going to give you an A because I know a C would make you feel bad. And, you know, no no, no high school coach ever said, well, we're going to start this guy right. uh, tonight at quarterback. And I know that uh, he he's never played quarterback before and he doesn't know the plays and he can't throw the ball but gosh guys it's really going to make him feel great um you know nobody does that you know you don't interview for a job and have somebody say if you get the job how are you going to feel they don't they don't care really so it's uh, it's it, it's smoke and mirrors and and then he, he went on to apologize to the Academy, apologize to his fellow nominees, didn't say anything about apologizing to Chris Rock, but, but then he, he went into this thing about, I want to be a vessel of love. I, I am I, concerned about love and being a vessel of love. And then these people, this is what really got me, is... All the actors and directors and producers in the room, these people who provide 99% of the content the American family consumes, these people gave him a standing ovation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's something that, uh, that people preach against about the violence and 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 it, and and if anybody else had done that they would have been in handcuffs in 15 seconds. Yeah. And and so it just it 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 just kind of 
was a tipping point for me because I, I've watched for years people that, that I feel like are talented people that have good messages. And I've heard people complain about not having good content and, and there's nothing on TV and, you know, you can't see movies anymore. And yet somebody somebody is not doing what they're saying because the only reason these movies and these songs mm -hmm. exist is because they're making money. And so the American public is paying for this and we are supporting actors and singers with our dollars that we would not tolerate their behavior in our own families. Well I want to come back to that too, Andy, because that is some of the story. I, I did look at that. So I didn't see it either. I didn't watch the Oscars, but I saw the headlines as I just, you know, take a look at them, peek every day sure. and saw your commentary. And, uh, you know, apparently there was a, an apology from him to Chris Rock. But then the interesting thing I saw is Chris Rock's ticket sales for his tour are through the roof. Uh, you know, he's going to make a, a huge uh, dime on that. And Will Smith probably will too, man. Every who doesn't want him on and pay him a lot to be on their show. And we're voting with our dollars. And I heard you speak to that, but I want to go back to what you were talking about. And it reminded me of that quote of, we judge ourselves by our intent. We judge others by our actions. And you were right. speaking to that, you know, so to him, let's go look at that because when, my, when I first saw it, I just saw the headline. Oh, he, you know, he smacked him that Chris or rock said something. He didn't, they didn't say off color, but you know, maybe it lacked some tact, uh, towards his wife. Now, my first thought was, you know, that's, that, that is comedy. It's kind of what they do. It's, it's by proxy, unpolitically right. correct a lot, not everyone's, but a lot. So I get that, but you have that first feeling of, okay, you know, he was, he was protecting his wife, honoring his wife. Okay. Let's, let's go with that for a minute. I, I could appreciate that. Could there be a better way of handling that? tackle that one there could have been uh several better ways of handling that and i and i know i mean nobody I, that that i know of has said some bad remark about my wife but if they we did could, i could do that we could role play i don't know her yeah, that well yeah 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 but but, but here here's what, here's my my point if they did and if I started across the room after that person, my wife would be the first one to grab me and say, oh, no, you don't. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. You know, this is just ridiculous. And, and, of course, if I did that, somebody would arrest me. I mean, I'd be in jail. And, and not they wouldn't have handed me an award right. 10 minutes later. But but there there is a way to handle that, and and you've seen it handled before in award shows when somebody says something rude about somebody. If if you don't like it, just don't smile. Yeah. Just don't smile. Just just look. I mean, you're you're a public figure, and certain things go with the territory. And when you're sitting on the first row of the Oscars and the, the, the guy's a comedian, I mean, you, you don't have to, you don't of, have to kind of fair respond. game. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And, and everybody knows about 
and I'm, I'm not revealing anything here. Everybody knows about the arrangement that um, Will Smith and his wife, Jada Pinkett, have. And they have an open marriage. And so uh, apparently Will Smith is not that protective of her. So it's just, uh, I, 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 think, I think that it probably kicked my cat. I, well, I know, you know? I know, obviously it did, because I don't see that as indicative of your threat, and it's not mine either. So the issue is interesting enough to me to bring on a current event that I don't think I've ever done at the, uh, on a show or at the head of a show. But now back to what you did say, that we are voting with our wallets. That one has, is always compelling to me. It is a fact. I'll admit, Andy, it feels overwhelming to me because I don't think that that's going to stop. I mean, we know that from the dawn of time, if it bleeds, it leads and that bled. And so that was now more important than Ukraine or anything else going on is the debacle at the Oscars because <laughs> we, here we are. And to some degree, I feel bad. We're sitting here voting and talking about it right now. And if somebody didn't know about it, now they're going to go search, find out what happened, watch it. And an advertiser is going to make a buck because of that and yada, yada. So we can't help that, but we are voting with our wallets and I'm actually not ready to jump into your community yet and talking about that, but it is interesting what you did because my feeling is we are not going to inspire people away or condemn them away from that stuff that's out there in the culture. But can we make something else attractive that they'll give their dollar to instead? I think we have to. Yeah. And I, th and I think that we are being, I, I think that the American family is, is being abandoned. I think, you know, Disney has abandoned the American family. Pixar has abandoned the American family. And, and I, I just, you know, there is a, an obvious level of frustration mm -hmm. that I have here. You know, in my, in my own town, we have a 10,000-seat amphitheater. Here okay. and it's a outdoor beach thing, you know, and big acts come to this. I mean, the major acts tour through here. And a couple of years ago, there was a a big outcry from Christians about why don't we have, you know, some big Christian acts? Why don't we have some of them come through? And so they booked one. And it was like I'm betting there weren't third, a, there weren't enough votes, boom. right? Yeah, nobody show, nobody showed up, and it's like, well, they won't do that again. Uh -huh. And so it's uh, well, who, but who do you blame there? Do we do we blame the culture for not going to see something Christian, or we blame something Christian for not being up to par, playing not the being game? good enough? Well, <laughs> I, but there, and that is what I'm I'm hitting to because we can sit out here and I can go over here to McDonald's and chastise everybody for their fast food and how it's killing them. They don't want to hear it. But can right, I? So I can agree. I offer something? more attractive and not to, not to hold them up. I did have Monty Moran, ex CEO of Chipotle on, but they did that to some degree. They said, Hey, we're going to come in and we're going to offer a similar product to what's out there, but we're going to use organic ingredients and whole foods and whatnot. And I thought I, that's, that's valid. That's a viable competition and they're trying to win over votes and they did. That's awesome. Yep. I, I agree. And, 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 and you're right. There is uh there is a degree, I mean, as, as I think about what you said, 
there is a degree of uh, failure on both sides. There's a there's a degree of, you know, if if they were attractive enough mm-hmm. to the public as a whole, because I don't think it's a I don't think it's a Christian thing. I think it's a a family thing, and I think that to a great degree, our cultural entertainment has moved away from a broad um, a, 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 a broad appeal. You know, when when I was growing up, and I boy, I, I hate to pull that. You know, when no, I no, Kevin, I when I was a kid, yeah, but but. Uh, it, Think about what used to be on television. There, there used to be television shows that parents and their children could both really enjoy. Mm-hmm. The, the Andy Griffith Show comes to mind just because that's my favorite television show of all time. And, and so that is a show that when I was a kid, I used to love that. Well, my parents loved it, too. And there were a lot of shows back then that parents and their children could watch at the same time. I remember watching, I was a little kid and watching Mission Impossible mm-hmm. on Sunday nights with my parents. And, and, and so I didn't understand everything, but there wasn't anything they didn't want me in the room with. And, I, and I, I thought it was cool. I thought the whole premise was cool. But today, there are, there are things that kids can watch that parents just can't hardly bear to stay in the room with. And then there are things that parents watch that they can't have their kids in the room with. And there are very few things that interest both. Right. All right. Well, let me, let's hit that at a broad, broad place. I I was again, going back through your biography again. And I mean, I know this, I've had you on the show homeless. You read 200 biographies. They each made a handful. This is what you said about them. Those people in those books that you read, and I've talked about you since then, uh, Andy, in regards to, well, <laughs> well, various things, we won't go into all of them, but no, about reading the biographies and how impactful that was to your life. And you said the people in those stories, what stood out to you, they had each made a handful of decisions at critical junctures in their lives that ultimately determined their success. Life was not a lottery ticket. They had chosen their fate. Okay. Now I'm going to pair that with the quote about you, New York Times reports, uh, you know, New York Times reported, you're someone who has quietly become one of the most influential people in America. So I'm going to take those two things. It's been very, it's been very quiet. Hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. It's, it's, uh, you earned that one though. I, I have seen testimony to that, but that, that aspect of they had chosen their fate you saw that, so it pulled you out. They had chosen their fate, and here you are as an influencer, and I'm going to put those together and say, is that a primary crux of your own mission, your own calling, to help influence people towards what we're talking about here, choosing a, let's call it a better fate? You are listening to The Ziggler Show and my talk with Andy Andrews. We'll be right back. It is. That is my that is my purpose to help people build the life that they would to help people live the life they would live if they only knew how. That is my that is my purpose. And, and, and can we say if they I realize did, that they're choosing it? Right. I guess I, I, I think 
to a great degree, many people don't realize they are choosing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that is that is my purpose to to help people live the life they would live if they if they knew how to do that. Yeah. So you have and I was interested in this when when we got into contact here. And of course, I've had you on the show uh, multiple times and you've got. Well, you got a lot of books and you're often coming out with an, another book. And yet right now, the latest thing that you're doing is Wisdom Harbor. So you've created this community and in looking at that, and I expected it to be a place of teaching, which you are a teacher, but of that, but it's, I realized and it was of interest to me and I want people to hear this, uh, even in regards to the business aspect of this, it's also entertainment. I mean, you've got, right. is that, would you give it? Those two things, it's teaching and entertainment, teaching through entertainment. How would you encapsulate? I, I think it's teaching and entertainment. And I think I think the teaching and the entertainment has different um, different roads it goes down. I think this is something for uh, parents. It's something for kids. Mm -hmm. And it's something for uh, teenagers and young adults and grandparents and and teachers and students and business people leaders and employees and it's it's uh it's the longest most expensive thing i have ever most expensive project i i've ever done in my life i i had this conception like I've been moving toward it for 12 years, oh, but wow. have been actively building it for three. And um, it just launched in December. But, you know, Harbor has docks. And so you, you've seen it. It's uh -huh. yeah. the, the, the different docks. And, and at first it looks like it might be all over the map. But there's a real purpose behind the docks and behind what rolls well, out. I, well, I'm, so I'm asking, I want, I want the behind the scenes on this from a, I mean, cause we do, we have people who are out there and are good candidates, you know, to be a part of that. We also have a lot of business people, me included, who are out there to right. influence people with podcasts, with books, with blogs, with speaking, with paid communities, which yours is, it's a paid community. And those are getting, I, I think more traction these days. And, so, you, but you said you're conceptualizing this for 12 years. Why? What, why? What was the need that you saw, the void that you saw that you said, man, I, maybe I could fill it this way? I, I have for a long time been concerned about, uh, you know, when I say I've been concerned about the family, that makes me sound like a politician. But I have been concerned about the family for really not just a personal reason, but for a mercenary reason. Um, I got, I was told a number of years ago as a speaker uh, by a, by a speaker's bureau, I was told that they couldn't ask for any more money for me, that they couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't get any more for me. And, and of course they weren't getting very much, but, but they, they said that's as much as people like you, can get and I and I was like, well, what's people like me? And they said, well, you hadn't got a Super Bowl ring, you don't have a, a television show, you don't have a gold medal, you weren't the hero of some national disaster, and hmm. ended up on the cover of Time. You you know, you talk fast, you're kind of funny, and 
you know, there's a lot of people who do that and you've kind of risen to the top of that class and it's just a limit to what we can get for you. And so I understood that. I didn't like it, but I understood it. But I've always thought that if Moses had more time on the mountain, he'd have come back with 11. Because I think number 11 would have been thou shalt not kid thyself. I think more time and money have been wasted by people kidding themselves. And so I wasn't kidding myself. I knew they were right. I just didn't know what to do about it. Okay. But I, 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 I was in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona with Steve Young the quarterback, the Hall of Fame quarterback, ESPN guy. And I've known Steve casually for a number of years. And and I was watching him, and I was very aware that he was getting paid $75,000 for speaking, and I was getting to stay in the hotel for free. You know? <laughs> and, right. and, and, and I thought, wow, is there really that much difference in the quality of what we're doing? But then I had the idea, well, I guess there is one thing Steve and I have in common. If the economy tanks, they don't want either one of us because a speaker is generally seen as an add-on, right. as, as an extra. And if some company is going to cut something from their budget, it's going to be a speaker. And so I, 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 I worried with that. I, when I say worried with it, I, I just kind of picked at it for a, a couple of years thinking, how can, how can somebody like me be of more value? And I, and I had the idea, the, the idea that I had was that, that, I had had a lot of people that had come up to me and said, oh, you're a great speaker. Oh, you're the funniest we've ever seen. Oh, we're this, this is. But I had never had anybody come up to me and say, you know, you were here six months ago. And with what you did, that little four minute piece right there, we took that and we made $40 million with it. Okay. I had never had anybody attach any monetary value to what I had done. And... And so I thought, well, I'm just kind of a cheap version of a quarterback because we're talking about kind of saying, so I went, I went into a deep dive, Kevin, on changing my material. Now, to change my material, I knew I had to learn something. I had to figure something out because... People liked my material. I was going to say, and I did want to pull that out. I mean, this is, this is post traveler's gift. Yes. Yeah. This is oh, post yeah. a lot of book sales, New York yeah. times. So you don't have a super bowl ring, but you're a New York times bestselling author. I don't have that to claim. I, I hope to, uh, before long, but I don't have that. Thing. That's big. And you did have, do have, did have testimonies of people coming forward and saying, book, this, this book, this message that you wrote about Andy changed my life. That helped me. You did have that. Right. Okay. Right. I did. But I didn't have anybody saying Andy Andrews worked with us and because he worked with us, this happened. Okay. And so I began to realize that proof was more valuable than encouragement, hmm. that encouragement was important, but people put, put a monetary value on proof. And, and so 
I realized that I had to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt, that I had not a mathematical proof, but that kind of proof where, you know, somebody goes, wow, I can use that and I can use it in this way. And I can. And, and so one of the things I'm kind of back to this family thing, one of the things that I quickly saw was that most of the CEOs that I had met and presidents of corporations lived under the delusion that the most important thing in their employee's life was their career. Hmm. And it's not. I mean, if you ask the average person, what's the most important thing in your life? If they have a spiritual life, they'll say God. And second will be their family. And third will be maybe their job. And But it's definitely not first. And so... I had been asked over and over again by these executives, you know, how do we fulfill our potential? Our people have so much potential. If we could just get them to do this, if we just get them to do this. And, and I realized that you, if the first or second most important thing in your life is in disarray, you can't possibly pay proper attention to the third or fourth most important thing. It's like we can only be as happy as our unhappiest child. Right. And, and so, so the personal lives of people are the key to their potential. And as I started to realize that and started to, to be able to prove that and work with companies in that way, I began to tell people, uh, you know, what I do is I help people compete in ways the competition doesn't know a game is going on. Hmm. And, and I knew that I had to have incredible results. I couldn't have 15% gains because I'm a nobody. I, I, you know, and if Peyton Manning goes in and, and works with a company and they increase 15%, then people are like, wow, Peyton Manning worked with us for a whole year and we increased. But if, but if I go in and we only increase 15%, I, you know, we love Andy, but I'm sure we could have probably done this without him. Mm. And so I had to have big results. And so one of the, after I figured this out and tested it, I, one of the first People that I went to was a guy named Steve Jacobson, who's the CEO of uh, Fairway Mortgage. And, and I sat down with Steve and I said, hey, I think you have awesome people. And I think that you, there should be no reason that you shouldn't be able to double your results in a year. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great, wouldn't it? And I said, well, I I think you should be able to double in a year. And he said, well, you know, we did 5.4 billion last year. And I said, yeah, I know, but you should be able to double that in a year. And he said, well, you know, it's taken us 19 years to get to 5.4. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I know. And I think you should be able to double that. And so we talked and, and back and forth for a while and then went, um, at the first of the year, that was in October, seven years ago. And then the first of the year, uh, we got together on what we were going to do. And I was going to work with them for a year. And long story short, they came in December 31st at $11.2 billion, wow. which is a 101% increase. I didn't mean to call it that close. But the next year, they did 17.6. Next one, 22-something. And they just finished last year at 72.5 billion. Wow. And they didn't acquire anybody. 
This was organic growth. This was they they had about uh, 700 people, 700 employees. Now they're almost 11,000 employees, and and they were named by uh, the top companies thing uh, as the number one company to work for in America, and it's a it's a cultural thing. Companies compete with price and product, right? And that's how they advertise, and that's how they compete. And you should be able to beat that every time because there is something that, that um, overruns price and product. And, and I, I, you can easily prove this by just asking, I mean, you just ask 100 people, uh, have you ever, how many of you have ever paid more for something than you had to? You know you could have gotten it for less, but you paid more for it. Yeah. And everybody will raise their hand. How many of you have gone to more trouble to get something than you had to have? You, you could have gotten it online, had it delivered overnight, but you decided to wait a week and drive across town. Anybody? Yeah, everybody. And, and there was no collusion. I mean, these people didn't even know they were doing this, but they've done it. They've done it before. They're going to do it again. We all do it. And there is one common denominator between... The, all those actions, and that is somebody. Right. That action is 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 showing a loyalty or showing a gratefulness. And this is like, I, yeah, I know Walmart's right across the street, but I will always shop at that lady's store. Do you, have I ever told you what she did for my grandfather fourteen years ago? And and so there are ways to create a a, a, a cultural advantage that is so significant that you can compete for people before they ever need your product. You, in many companies, you can compete for business before somebody is born successfully. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to look at and see that, that this this works only every time. Okay. Okay. You, you just opened up the show right there. Cause we're all sitting here going, okay, 5 billion to 11. And, and then on, you did that. You came in. That's what happened. What Andy? What? So what'd you do? So you went in there and told them how to, how to promote better rates. And no, uh, I know, no, oh. no, because it's uh, you know, more, the mortgage business, you can't, you know, but I've done this with, with uh, I've, I've got clients now. It's a, a boat company, a publicly traded boat company, a bank, um, a, a a doctor, a group of doctors, an ATV thing, a, a automobile dealership, a bunch of them, um, another a, a couple of mortgage companies, but. But, you know, a lot of these things like mortgages, you can't compete with rates. I mean, that's set by the government. And, and so how do, you, how do you compete? You compete with the real product, and the real product is you. I mean, that's what the real product is. Now, most companies say, okay, and so let's turn our sales team into, you know, into lions and, 
and make that sales team and we'll but well I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about putting the entire team on the field. You know, I mean, it, it, it typically you can only put 11 people on a football field at a time. But in the SEC, home games, you can dress 85. And so if the other team puts 11 on the field, I'm talking about being able to compete with 85. And when I, when I said a little while ago that you can compete for somebody's business before they were born and, and before they need the product, and, and that's the way most of business is done, is when somebody needs a mortgage or when somebody wants to buy a house or when somebody wants to sell their house or when somebody needs a widget, everybody raises their hand and say, talk to us, talk to us. We have the best prices. We have, you know, we, we have customer satisfaction. And by the way, customer satisfaction is, is ridiculous. And that's one of the first things that I tell my clients is if you're trying to compete with customer satisfaction, you got to understand that customer satisfaction is the lowest bar you can possibly hit and still stay in business because anything less than a satisfied customer and you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so we're not talking about satisfied customers. That's what everybody else is after. We're after raving lunatic fans that create word of mouth that is unstoppable because in, in this case, if you do this correctly, traditional advertising is just a tax you're paying for not being remarkable, mm -hmm. for not being incredible. And so when I was talking about competing uh, before somebody needs a product, because that's when you win the game, if you're waiting until somebody needs your product, you're competing against all these guys, right. okay? But this was brought home to me by uh, my son, who's 22 years old now. But when he was 11, we were going to a camp, a camp house, it was a clubhouse that, that we had joined. And, I, and there's like 30 members, and, and I was the piker of the, the group. I mean, I, you know, it's like I barely can afford to get in. And, and so these are captains of industry people and, and um, my boys are with me. And so we were late one Friday evening getting there and we're walking across the, the parking lot there at the, at the camp house. And, and there's this guy who owns a car dealership who is a, a member there. And he had paid a ton of attention to my boys. Every Friday when we'd come in, I mean, Joe would would uh, you know shake their hands and talk to them, ask them about the week, where they're going to go tomorrow, you know, tease them about girls, and 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 before I knew it, they were calling him Uncle Joe. I'm like Uncle Joe, yeah, yeah, yeah. We call him Uncle Joe. And it was all right. So we're walking across the parking lot, and my 11 year old just kind of stops. We're late getting there. Everybody's already thought of the cars and vehicles are parked. And, and my 11-year-old stops and he says, Dad, don't you think this makes Uncle Joe sad? I said, what? He said, his name is not on the back of all these cars. It's not on the back of all these trucks. And I said, well, buddy, Uncle Joe's a business person. He understands that people have different tastes and, you know, they're, they're, 
getting different kind of cars and from different people. And he, he's a business person. He understands that. And Austin said, no, sir, they're members of the same club. They should buy from Uncle Joe. Wow. And as we went in, I realized that that 11-year-old kid had already decided where he was getting his car when he turned 16. That 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 competition for his business was already won. And sure enough, the day he turned 16, he walked into one of Joe Bullard's dealerships and put the money down for a used truck. And but that but that can be done in any business. It can be done on a football field, can be done on a baseball diamond, a basketball court. It, It is competing with culture. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and my talk with Andy Andrews. We'll be right back. When I work with a company for a year, what I do is every two weeks, there's a message that is a proprietary message that they get. It's a 25 or 30 minute because, and I started doing this, Kevin, you know, when COVID started because I had clients I was traveling all over the country for. And I thought, how do I, how do I nail this into something that will continue? And I, and I realized that the one issue that we had with me traveling, this would solve. Because the one issue we had was as these people started growing so fast, the, the, uh, as the new people would come in, they would know how to do a certain thing, as people would say, this is how we do this. This is what we do. Okay, but they had not heard it from me, and they had not been, they had not understood why certain things work as they do. And and so I realized that with a, a video program, with a virtual program that delivers, that I, I divided all these messes up in a year, and there's 26 of them, and then on the second year, there's another 26. And and I realized I could put those in 20, 25-minute pieces and make a curriculum with it. And the companies that, that worked with me, not only would everybody see it, not just this branch over here and then go out to you know the West Coast and see this branch, but everybody could see it. And not only that, when they're new people, they started growing, they would have a library to catch people up with. And so this is, this is what, what I do is explaining why. I mean, most of what I do is explaining why certain things work as they do. Because I had a, uh, a, a, a client now, but they weren't a client at the time and they were just talking and they asked me, they said, hey, you, you are kind of known as a, as a change agent. And, and I said, yeah, kind of a disruptive strategist. And he laughed and, and he said, so you seem pretty certain that, that we have some changes that we need and you've just, just kind of started getting to know us. And I said, right. He said, well, how do you know? that there are changes that we need to make. And I said, well, why did you guys call me? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you have a reputation of outlandish results. And I said, right. 
And I said, and so you're not really satisfied with with the rate of growth you're having now. And he said, right. And I said, well, the first thing you got to know is your business right now is created perfectly. It's designed perfectly to produce exactly what it's producing. Right. And so, and, and then he said, well, what if you suggest something and we don't want to do it? And I said, that's a good question. I've never been asked that. I said, but, um, I said, the bottom line is it's your company. You do, do what you want. I said, but I will never suggest something that I can't explain to you why it will work as it does. And see, that's the difference because there's a ton of people who know how to do things in every industry. But until you know why what you are doing works as it does, I mean, people know how to use a principle but until you know why a principle works as it does, when you know why, you can begin to use that principle and see it fit in other areas that other people don't even recognize. And that's that power of, of understanding why this works as it does. Okay, let me ask you on that. So to go back to your mortgage, what was the initial mortgage company uh, you talked Fairway. about? Fairway. Fairway. <clears throat> so go Fairway. back to them. At that time, you said they had 700 employees, I believe, when you started working right. with them. Yeah, a little more so than you, go, you go in saying that you're going to, you believe they can double their income. Now you initially talked about the reality that work is not our first love. It may be, you know, God, family, whatever. We've got those things. And yet we tend to, in the work, in the marketplace, try to meet people with the, the job, the career, the whatever, which you're saying, we know that that's not, that's not paramount. So that's, so you're, to that aspect, you're talking about, if I can paraphrase correctly, what's important, if you want your company to grow, is know the person's why. Know your employees' why. Know those 700 people's why. Is that fair? Or, and or is it coming over here and make sure that they understand the core company's why, which we're speaking to, you know, Simon Sinek's start with why, which he initially really pushed towards a company aspect. Because we've got two things. And I know you see people veer on one side or the other sometimes. But when I talk about why, I'm not talking about somebody's why. Okay. I'm not talking about somebody's reason. I'm talking about that there are certain things that, that work and that everybody knows how to work them. But when you begin to know why they work as they do... You can apply them in more than one okay. way, more than the way that your industry has applied it. Okay. And so it, it, it's the difference in something being true and something being the truth. And companies that are in first or second or third place generally are stopped at what is true. And they don't really go much farther than that. And the reason is obvious is because they've got an answer and it's working, you know, it, it's true. This works and they don't see anybody else doing any better than them. And so, but so they stop at what is true, but things can be true and not be the truth. You know, a, a, a great example would be somebody, if we took a blind person 
and said, hey, we're going to give you 15 minutes with an animal. We know you've never heard of this animal, never been around one. It's called an elephant. And we need to give you just 15 minutes just to mess with this elephant. And if you could tell us what an elephant is like and how they could be used in society. And so after 15 minutes, this blind person says, okay, an elephant is very tall, very wide, flat, dense, probably make a, a good... A good gate, probably uh, use a bunch of them for a wall. Okay, that's true. That's all true. It's not the truth. Until we got to the truth about an elephant, we'd never have a total picture of what one looks like or how many different ways it could be used. The truth is a foundation. Mm -hmm. The truth is a foundation. The truth is the bottom of the pool, as far as you can go. And so most people, most companies stop at what is true because it's the answer. It's an answer. But I, I, I also tell my clients, you know, the, the book, Good to Great. So yeah. It's an awesome book. Okay, 11 million people have read the book. But we're going to let everybody else go good to great. We're going good to great to best. You know, best is one thing. There can be different categories, but we're not talking about among the best or some of the best of all time. We're talking about the best. It's, it's one thing. And it's like the truth. The truth is one thing. There can be different categories, but the truth is the foundation. That's the bottom of the pool. And interestingly, you can find the truth and just sit on it and never apply it or never harness it and accomplish the best. However, it doesn't work the other way because you will never accomplish the best without the truth. So bring that then, let's come back round circle to just our culture, where we are now, because you're talking about something you're applying in business, but business is just a microcosm of life, of the marketplace, of the consumers. And so here you are, not to make it about Wisdom Harbor, but as you <coughs> talked about conceptualizing this, is that the foundation of it. Can we bring people around to the truth, their truth Define that or, or, or unpack not, that? Not their truth. The I think truth. there okay. is the truth. I okay. think, I think when people say, well, this is my truth that, that what they're may not realize they're talking about is something that is true. And, and so there are, so with wisdom Harbor, what I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to create something that that was valuable in an obvious manner, but hugely valuable in in a way that was not so obvious. And and the the obvious way that it is it's valuable is with you know there there's uh, docs with six and seven minute videos. There's a bet you didn't know doc that's mm -hmm. heavily weighted toward history and science and biology. And um, so that those are funny little videos on topics that are, it's like done by the, the high school history teacher you wish you'd had, right, you know? Right. And, and so those are, those are little funny videos that, that a family can sit down and watch a five minute, six minute video about, you know, bet you didn't know that Einstein's brain was stolen by the coroner 
that did the autopsy, and it's, it's a whole thing with this guy taking the brain across the country in a Tupperware container. And, and, and bet you didn't know about some kind of fish or about the snow cruiser, which was a, a big thing that uh, the United States made for Antarctica during World War II. And, and so there's a bunch of bet you didn't knows. And so those are things that families can watch. One of them, sit down at table, have something to talk about over dinner or on a trip. Then there's there's an audiobook doc that I, I had when my son was in the 10th grade, my younger son in the 10th grade, came home and said, we got to read the Scarlet Letter. Well, we're like, oh, no, because Adam is dyslexic and dysgraphic wow. and has ADD. And so I said, I said, well, we'll listen to it. We'll listen to it. And so we get it five minutes in, Kevin. We we look at each other. We can't even understand it listening to it. You know, it's written a hundred years ago or whatever. And it's that old English stuff. And, and it's like, and I got to think, man, I have a studio and I do audiobooks. I, I do audiobooks. And, and why couldn't I take some of those classics and make them where they could be understood, translate them into modern English, not change the story, just take this paragraph sentence and turn it into four sentences. No, and, no wherefore and, art thou's. Right. right, right, right. And so so we have done that with the audiobook doc and Robinson Crusoe's on there and Call of the Wild and some uh, some Mark Twain stuff. And, and so these are things that families can enjoy together. There's uh, uh, a musician's doc. We've got a how do I doc. And we've got uh, the captains that are delivering the content are uh, Grammy winners, Master Chefs, uh, best-selling authors, Hall of Fame speakers, comedians, CEOs, and and so we've got uh, the Songwriter of the Year that that wrote Song of the Year for CMA and ACM, Jimmy Erie. He's giving uh, guitar lessons, and so there are there are guitar lessons on this and. And then, so these are obvious things that somebody could do. But what is less obvious is the cultural literacy that comes to a business person hmm. by knowing some stuff that nobody else knows. We've got a, uh, there's one doc that's called the In Other Words doc. And it takes some literature or famous speeches that everybody recognizes. It's like if I said to be or not to be. Mm -hmm. Well, most people could get, okay, that's Shakespeare. Fewer people would get Hamlet. Even fewer people have any clue what he was talking about. And so this does like 90 seconds of that speech, to be or not to be, that's the question, whether it is nobler to suffer the swings and arrows. And it's a video with motion graphics. And after 90 seconds of that, you know, the, 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 the host says, in other words, mm -hmm. what Hamlet is saying is, mm -hmm. and explains it in a funny way. And so we do that with, you know, the only thing they have to fear is fear itself. And the Gettysburg Address and Margaret Thatcher's the ladies not for turning speech and, and uh, General's last um General MacArthur's last address to West Point. And so all these things with the bet you didn't knows, the how do I's, you know, there's a how do I making jerky. How do I shuck oysters? How do I juggle? I mean, there, all these things are on there. And and it it allows somebody 
the average person to be able to talk about something other than the college football scores and what was on TV last night. And you become, I don't care what business you're in, if you can talk to a broad range of people and be interesting to a broad range of people just in conversations, you are a more valuable person and opportunities come your way. And so these are things we want that that we're creating that parents and their children can enjoy together. There's a question and answer doc that has uh, leadership and community and finances and parenting. And you can click on parenting and it goes small children, adolescents, teens, adult children, and click on those and see the questions and answers in there. And we've got a salty mug doc that has uh, one-on-one conversations, uh, handling uh, issues or telling stories. My, my, my thing there was that at night, there's millions of people in America that when their families go to bed, they don't go to sleep and they get up and they walk around the house and they are, uh, you know, they've, Something's been done to them or they've done something and they're not going to tell anybody about it. They're not going to talk to you. They're not going to talk to their spouse. They're not going to talk to a pastor or a counselor. They may kill themselves, but they're not going to talk to anybody. And so this has a has the opportunity to go online in Wisdom Harbor and they're all labeled something like I shouldn't have said it mm-hmm. or she's not accepting my apology or it's a great white shark which is just a fishing story but it they all start with the 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 coffee mug right in the camera mm-hmm. and then the person is sitting there talking to them one on one and these are 3 to 7 minute conversations that somebody people are having in the middle of the night with a friend that they get to know through this and and so then the other thing that I desperately wanted to do was to price this in a way that people could participate. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been asked since this launched, I've been asked a hundred times, why don't you charge more for this? You know, because business people say, hey, why are you not? charging, you know, like several hundred dollars a year for this, or why aren't you? And I think there is this feeling out there that if you don't charge a lot for it, it doesn't seem to have any value. Of course, value proposition. Yeah, sure. We've been ingrained with that. Yeah. And so I just, I feel like that has some merit, but with this, I, I feel like this is helping a ton of people and I didn't want money to be the problem for them to not be able to do it. And so it's, uh, it, it's for an individual membership, it's $2.99 a month or $27.99 for a year. And for a family membership, it's $5.99 a month or $58.99 for a year. And that's for up to eight devices in your family. And I, I, I feel like that that is a price that we can survive with. And I feel like it's a price that people can easily look at one thing and go, 
I got my two ninety nines worth right there. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, where where can you go take guitar lessons for two ninety nine? You know, yeah. and and much less from a guy who's written fourteen number one songs, and and so. And and I there is an education doc on there that has curriculums and seminar stuff on there that schools are using, and so I wanted to price it in a way that somebody might could say, hey, I want to pay for a year for that school for that whole school, and that it wouldn't be a million dollars or something. Right. So cultural literacy was not the answer I was I was expecting as you looked at this. So you're sitting back, you're looking at the issues and feel, feeling like this is a way that you can help and that you built this around. That's interesting. I, I mean, I want people to hear that we're all looking, we have so many people looking to influence others and wondering how to do it well, knowing that they've got good value to offer, but wondering how to do it. How do we meet the marketplace? And now we're back to where we started. Uh, people right. are going to vote with their dollars and their time. And I think, I think this is a, a gift that I think that, that parents can give to their adult children, mm -hmm. that people can give to their friends, that bosses can give to their employees, that employees can give to each other, that I mean, a, a whole family for a whole year, less than 60 bucks. I mean, it's costing twice that to fill up my pickup truck right. with gas now. Right. And, and so I, I feel like there's not going to be a gift that is more used, more appreciated, and less expensive than this. And, and so these, these captains are... They're excited about it because they're, in many cases, are, are able to do things that they're experts at, but they haven't been known for, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, but you can find a Grammy winner that knows how to juggle and knows how to teach it. And, yeah. and, and so to, to have these people on board with this and answering questions for people and providing something for families that they can enjoy with each other and something that teachers can use to augment their lesson plans. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the, uh, the, the candid behind the scenes somewhat of why you came to this, why you're doing that. I think, uh, I hope a lot of people go check it out, uh, for themselves, for their own benefit, but, uh, also all the people wanting influence to look at how you, as one of the uh, quietly influencing the most people ever, as the New York Times cited uh, that you've chosen to do. I was curious. I wanted to know, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us, Andy. Thanks for what you do. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate the time. You will entertain and equip yourself and your family by engaging more with Andy Andrews. Again, Andy is headlining this May 19th through 20th, 2022 as keynote speaker for the Ziegler Coach Summit in Frisco, Texas, which you can check out at Ziegler.com slash Coach Summit. And if you are or want to be a coach, you don't want to miss it. And check out more of what Andy talked about here in this episode at WisdomHarbor.com. Coming up next in Ziegler Show episode 982, Tom Ziegler and I discuss the voices in our heads, which was my topic with psychologist Ethan Cross in episode 977. 
Tom and I dug deep on talking about these, the voices in our heads, in parallel with self-talk, which Zig Ziglar is famous for. How do we do the consistent work of talking ourselves into the person we want to be and having the behaviors we want to have? Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.